Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We hope all are well. My name is Bob. All right, this is me. Hey. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing fantabulous. And you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm trying to sign so that our show twitters. I know I said I wasn't going to do that, but I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. Well, I want to welcome everyone to You Are Okay, powered by Blog Talk Radio. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. You know what, Bob? I can't hear you. I'm going to turn off Be Still Thy Soul for some reason. I don't know. We, I can't hear a word that you said. It's like every five words there's a word. It sounds like you're going, uh. I'm using my cell phone this time rather than my house phone. So I'm, I'm, okay. I'm tending to think that it's when the music's on that it's happening. Yes, I'm thinking so, which is interesting. But uh, I've turned to, I've turned be still thy soul off now. So uh, go ahead, and uh, I'm so sorry. But if you would be so kind as to start again, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, everyone. This is you are okay, powered by Blog Talk Radio. Today we're going to discuss the power of a smile and how it will lighten your heart. And if our true nature is a smile, then why do we have so many sad faces around today? We want to talk about that, and we'd love to hear from our listeners today. Our call-in number is 646-595-3584. We welcome you to call in and join us on this topic or bring up anything that you have on your mind about compassion, about living life to its fullest, and bringing a smile to yours and others' faces as well. So how has your week been? You know, my week has been very interesting. I think that um, it, it's been exceptionally, it's been good. It's been a good week, but I found that uh, I there were so many times when I could that I was I was smiling. I didn't even, I don't even realize that I've now started to put a smile on my face. And so it's so interesting this topic. But I I I just am smiling in places where most people aren't smiling and it's amazing the reaction you get. People smile back. <laughs> you know? So it's been a good week for me. This is a good and interesting topic for me. You know, I would like to before we get too far into this uh, in talking about our weeks, I would really like to share that Rabia the Mystic quote, if I may, just because it means so much to me. I want you folks to know that this quote is is something that I not I don't just read on this radio program. It's actually uh, something I have. I have a little glass business card uh, holder on my desk, and you know the back of those business card holders face you. So on the back of mine, I have this quote, and I find that I'll be sitting in business meetings and I'll be hearing the fear in the voice of the person who's speaking to me. And I will, uh, I will sw- I will read this passage so that, because I can feel my own body starting to pull into the fear, to move into the chaos, to give up the smile of my soul and the peace of my soul. 
And uh, to the point this week where I uh, was charged a, I, like so many Americans, have decided I don't want credit card debt. That was especially so when I realized I had credit cards and I had a savings account and I was getting different, in- I was paying more interest on my credit card than I was getting on my savings account. So I paid off one of my credit cards and they still charged me interest. Their explanation is because I don't normally pay my card off every month, I had to pay interest this time. But if I pay it off next month, I will again. I was so furious. But then I read this passage, and I paid them their $15. In the valley, on the mountain, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being, I beheld only God. Like a candle, I melted in his flame. Amid the sparks of the flames, I beheld only God. This is by Rabia the Mystic, a wonderful um, Islamic cleric um, from, I think, about 1,500 years ago. But to me, that's just an exquisite statement. But the reality is, uh, when I kind of looked at that idea um, and I thought, okay, do I want to be at peace or do I want to just feed the avarice of Chase Bank? Uh, I decided to feed their avarice one last time because my peace is too important. And I imagine a lot of you are facing similar type decisions. Uh, We'd be happy to talk about anything you'd like to, but staying at peace, being able to smile in the face of adversity is our topic today, 646-595-3584. Anyway, so Bob, tell me about your week. How was yours? So hectic you forgot to give this show a title until this morning. I chose the title. I had chosen the title. I wrote it down on the calendar. I actually wrote it down on a different date, but that might just because that's where the calendar's the way that it's sitting here on the table <laughs> or on the yes. desk. And I just woke up this morning thinking, oh, no, I forgot to go put the name of it up on the, <laughs> on the site. So that's yeah, been a busy week, but then again, you know, I've tried to to limit my work time to eight hours a day and not get drawn into the chaos and, you know, maybe learn, learn to, I think sometimes we, we maybe uh, have to step back and think about working a little bit smarter mm-hmm. instead of working, instead, you know, working a little bit smarter than we normally do. And I think we get drawn into these patterns of allowing things to happen that we just need to say, no, we're going to stick with the way that with the plan that I've got for today. I'm not going to let anything else draw me out of what I need to get done, and I'm going to stay focused. Um, it's, it's not always that easy, but... No, no. No, it's been a, it's been a good week. I've, we got some time at last Sunday to visit with friends and have dinner, and we actually had someone over for breakfast this morning. We found a little place that sells some art tacos de barbacoa, which are just great Sunday morning food, for me anyway. (laughs) Wouldn't sound so good to a vegetarian or vegan, but (laughs) (laughs) my doctor probably wouldn't like that, you know, I'm eating that, you know, with my cholesterol as high as it is right now. Well, you need to tell us what it is. I mean, now you now that we've heard the title, and for those of us who who are not well-versed in Spanish, exactly what's in this taco? Well, actually, they give you the... 
they actually uh, what they do on if it's, it's almost as if you went to a to a street vendor in Mexico and they had the meat there. Now the barbacoa is that I guess it's just a different cut of the meat. It's almost like a roast, but it's mm-hmm. and it's nothing. It sounds like barbecue, but remember mm-hmm. barbecue. It's, it's even in Texas, it doesn't mean that you have barbecue sauce on it. It means that yes. it's been slowly Smoked. cooked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so it's slow-cooked meat. It just falls apart in your mouth. It's just delicious, and they hand you, or when you take it to go, they give you uh, some packets of tortillas and cilantro and onions. And um, They ran out of chili, though, but that's probably good because <laughs> I kind of tend to overdo it with the hot sauce most of the time anyway. And ouch for so, your heart, huh? Yeah, so it's just a good street food in Mexico, and to be able to have it and have and almost taste the same as it does there when you're on the street is is a good thing for me because you know I love food. Oh well, sure, sure, good for you. I love food too. You know, I think we all do, and and we've all attached such negativity to that, and um, perhaps because. Um, Wow, I don't think that makes it's so much sense. Pardon me? Wow, that makes so much sense. We do. We have attached so much negativity to food because we're told that it's bad and and this the power of those words and our own minds to to make those what we've heard out there come become the truth. Yes. Wow. And and we and so we make it bad even inside our own body. I mean it's a thought process. Uh you could have five of the um, tacos that you're describing, or you could have two, or you could have one. We we are so portion-dominated, too. I mean, just gigantic portions. Uh, you go to places like Claim Jumper. I think they have those in Texas. And uh, they certainly have them here in California and in, in our part of the West, the Southwest here. And, my gosh, uh, the portion is enough for a small family, and that's one person's meal. And not only do you feel guilty that you can't eat the whole thing and you're going to have to take it with you, you feel so guilty you eat more of it than you really need to eat or think about eating. And, uh, you know, we're just, um, it's, um, I don't get this is funny, okay. Yes, I'm getting a communication about operating on blog talk. I don't know, right? Anyway, but um, your the circumstance is um, this is weird. I'm suddenly getting a download. <laughs> this is so funny. But in in any event, you you get all of these emotional attachments put into food, and I think that people naturally crave and love uh, things that are right for their body, Bob. And that's why I don't know how how many of you have ever read that book out there. Our listeners have read, uh, let's see, uh, what it's, it's something about your blood type. And I'm sorry, I just lost it. I had it right there in the forefront of my mind, but I'm watching all this stuff occurring in front of me. I'm overstimulated. But, uh, oh, eat right for your blood type. And And when you read all of these different blood types, and people literally, because of their blood type, have different cravings and different desires. 
People who are type O are very meat-oriented eaters. Uh, I'm an AB-positive person, and uh, I'm drawn more to the vegetables, to the fish, to the grains, less to the meat. Meat doesn't even smell good to me most of the time. And when I put it in my mouth, it's like, ugh. But sometimes I like it. Sometimes I can eat it if it's fixed perfectly. And I think that we ignore what our bodies tell us we, we, we need. We take yeah. on. We've all had those times when we look in the pantry and, we, and, and your body, and you know you want something like you really have a need. And not just a soup, it's not superficial, it's almost just inside you saying you need something. And it, it's just, and then you eat something, you go, no, that wasn't it. And then you go and you eat something else, and you're like, no, that mm-hmm. wasn't it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That's right, and and so it's kind of an interesting phenomena, but I really think if we would be more respectful of our portion sizes and and not worry about food, not make, instead make food a celebration of life, you need food to survive. You know, I was really interested when I went to Italy, which was a phenomenal Epicurean experience, um, that I didn't really see a lot of people who had weight issues because uh, everyone walked and they brought you, you know, perfectly sized portions, uh, multiple, several of them. You were very full. You might not even be able to eat all of the food, but it was much more healthy. I mean, my gosh, folks, they have gas stations in Italy where you can go in and go to this beautiful, healthy salad bar and and food bar in a gas station. It's amazing. Did you see those, Bob? Uh, I don't think I I, I didn't see the gas station part, but the rest of it, definitely definitely that the portions are smaller. Not that they're not enough, because it is enough, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. You leave satisfied. You may not be, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, we go, I, actually we went out to eat last night and and we did bring some of it home to have for lunch today because we were full. Mm-hmm. And, the thing, and I don't really know that they had, yeah, the portions were big, but, you know, we left saying, oh, I'm so full. And it's, you know, there I, you I go. Read, what, yeah, There you go. What does that say right there? Oh, I'm so full. I've, I've read that your mind actually, your brain actually takes 10 minutes. Once your stomach gets full, it takes the brain 10 minutes to register that in your, in, and make you feel that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we rush to eat. That's what I think about uh, when we, when you talk about uh, being in Europe or other countries is they take the time to sit and have a meal. They don't sit down, hurry up, eat, and run. It's a mm-hmm. it's a process, and here you feel so. Even in a restaurant, you feel so rushed because they want you to hurry up, put your order in, you know, and and let's let's get on because I want to get to the next table. <laughs> you know, they want to turn that table so that they're getting more tip money because we don't properly compensate people in that type of industry here. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. You know, what's really amazing about this whole discussion. Um, is generally there are no accidents in life, and in my opinion. And um, I think um, I was brought um, to a 
book. My daughter gave me a book. It's about it's called Follow the Crumbs or something. I may have even mentioned it last week. I'm not sure. But what's interesting about the book is I know I've mentioned it to someone because I have a recollection most of saying what I'm saying now. It's it's a story of a woman's journey through life, but this woman is a very good cook and it was interesting because her journey through life was also focused around food. And so as you go through it, she gives you recipes for foods that she's eating as she's making these realizations and she's thinking about things. And what interested me was just the sheer pleasure that she had from food. She could describe that she described the sense of something, the natural, the nature type taste of it. And I know you're right, it's about a speed thing. How often do we really even taste the food we've eaten before we're done with it and we're moving on? It's it's I realized the other day that I treat food as an inconvenience. Yeah, you don't stop to smile and appreciate the food. <laughs> appreciate Mm-mm. the people that create that, you know, came up with the dish, that came up with the idea to combine mm-hmm. these different ingredients together and bring out those different flavors. I think we, we as Americans, we attend to, we do tend to think of it as an inconvenience. How many of us don't take lunch because we don't have time or it's not convenient for us to, to even stop and take an hour out of our day to sit down? And why do we have a lunch hour? Because we're supposed to take that hour to sit back, relax, smile, eat, and we don't do that. We simply, you know, grab crap and mm-hmm. eat it at our I think most of us do. At least that's what mm-hmm. I see in my office is that we all say, oh, we're too busy. We're too busy where maybe if we took that time and rejuvenated our body, maybe I'll try this this week, and, you know, appreciated the food and the time away from working, we would actually be more productive when we went back to our desk for the next few hours. Yeah, I think that is so true because I have to say, I think that there, there's a reason God wants us to eat, and it is survival. And I've read so many books lately that have, have really been focusing on the idea of are you taking care of yourself? You know, how many times do you wake up in the morning and say, okay, today I'm going to do this. And you lay out this regime of self-care. And then how many times do we really do that, my friends? Yeah, we forget to go to the gym. We forget to maybe just walk around the block five times or any of those things that we say. And usually it's on Monday when we have that great plan, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then pretty soon you're up on another Monday. And my friends, you know, when it talks in some of the, uh, uh, in the Koran, in the uh, Bible, uh, Old Testament, about people living for hundreds of years, we poo-poo that here in our society. But God created, uh, you know, portable packages here that actually can live. That are that could be sustained for hundreds of years if we took care of them properly. But we don't, and we stop at a very early age. You know, um, what is it? You get um, 
gym, of course, you have to do some sort of physical activity when you're in school until you graduate from school. Then suddenly, when I went to college, we also had to do one, but now it was down to two times a week. Well, unless you're unless you're really really into sports, like one of my daughters uh, is, you don't think then to factor, guy, I need to do some physical activity every day. You, you don't think about the walking. My gosh, folks, I live less than a mile from work. How many times do I go out there? Oh, I'm carrying stuff. I used to carry more than that when I went to school. When I went to law school, I had heavy books. But, oh, no, I I have to drive the car a mile. That's craziness. And and it's not taking care of my body. It's not living green. Uh, I guess I'm doing a self-confession here. And and so I, I think that, you know, when you smile on your face, when you have a smile on your face, you're starting to feel good about you. And if you're feeling good about you, then it's time to say it's okay to take care of myself. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I think, you know, as great as technology is, it makes us lazier, makes us not not smile as much because we're more worried about is the technology going, is it is it going to work? Is the, uh, you know, is, uh, for example... You know, instead of uh, taking the time to write a letter to someone, we send an email or text instead of calling to say hello. Yeah, yes. Or or to invite someone over to to play play a game rather than, you know, I guess now you can get online and play a game with someone from where they're at. So we have mm-hmm. all this interpersonal relationship, I think, for folks down the road is going to be going to be tough for those that are growing up now where in school they're learning that they they can communicate via text and via uh, you know play games with people over the internet rather than actually getting on your bike and what we did when we were kids we got on our bike and rode around the neighborhood through the alley went well we I know we went places we weren't supposed to go but you know <laughs> that's neither here yeah. nor there we were much yeah. more outdoor type even though you know we lived in the city we weren't we weren't out in the out in the farm you know planting and Mm -hmm. and harvesting but we were outdoors and we were smiling and happy and now you see kids they're not the the kids don't even smile don't even seem to be smiling and happy these days because we've got you know they they're there with their little uh what do you call it little nintendo things and Mm -hmm. And, and their wees <laughs> trapped into them trapped in themselves really and not not having experience of you know being out and around other people as much as i think and, and i was when i was a kid you know we had yeah. got a lot more exercise just because we weren't allowed to stay in the house <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no you that, had to go outside yeah we thought that was terrible when we were kids but <laughs> Actually, you know, I will tell you that my uh, when my girls would ask me, um, they would say to me, uh, I'd tell them to go outside and play, and they would say, oh, I don't want to play. I have nothing to do. I have nothing to do. And I said, oh, I have so much housework around here you can help with. Oh, I think I'll go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when given that alternative. 
Yes. Now people have you know have people that clean their house for them. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. So it's kind of it's an interesting. Um, it, it's just a whole interesting dynamic here. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, you know doing something with your life uh, is important, and I think that staying focused um, on. Um, Staying focused on yourself is part of the component. I really do. And uh, I think that keeping a smile on your face, which so many people think of as so hard, and it's so good for the muscles. I decided at one point, if I was going if I was going to die with wrinkles that I am, then I'm going to die with smile wrinkles instead of frown. You know, and I find that I don't even, I don't know, but I hope people can hear the smile in my voice. You know, it's like it's it's not really as serious as we all treat it as being. And there's so much value, and and there's so little reason. There's so little reason to allow ourselves to get caught in a frown. There really is because your muscles frown. They say. Yeah, yeah. Your muscles will get trapped, and um, you know it's. It's just not, um, guy, folks. There's, there's so much more, and you're so valuable, and and that's part of what we want to talk about. With is, it's just how valuable you are, just the way you are. You, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to change. You're enough, just as you are, and um, you are. Um, I guess one of my friends had a very moving experience. And he's been having a bit of a time smiling lately. And, and the reason he's having a bit of a time smiling is because he's, um, he's in a heavy, sad situation. And it's a situation where two people in relationships, my friends, are so much caught up in plans for the future, what happened in the past, and so often very little time in what's going on right now. If there's a gift that love has given me, it has been the gift to, to let go of the past. I don't hold on to it until I'm reminded of it again. But a lot of times people get caught in patterns of life that link one link to the next link to the next link, and so that everything is a reminder of all of these past pains. And my friend is in such a situation and my guys had me write him a note yesterday, and it was a very compelling note for me also. Uh, for those of you who've listened for a while, um, I, I talked at one point about the book The Shack, and uh, I think that people should read The Shack with their own mind. I am not suggesting that book because I believe there is only one way home. I believe everyone's going home no matter what way they choose to follow or no way they follow. Everyone's going home. I mean, that's the the be-all and end-all of it all. But um, in this book, as God was talking to the the protagonist, the primary actor, uh, God said to him, you know, where, where do you spend most of your time? And and the man reluctantly answered that he spends most of his time in the past. And then much of the remaining time in the future. 
believe me, you can give lip service to the idea that you live now because that's what we're all coming to know you're supposed to do. And I don't know about many of you, but I think we all fake things till we make it. And sometimes we fake it and fake it and fake it and we never make it. And I think that most people know they're supposed to live in the moment right now, the present, open the present of now. Now, there's millions of passages out there that have been telling us that for thousands of years, but here we are in 2009, and we still haven't quite got a hold of that idea. So God looks at the, at the man and he says, well, that really is, is, is the problem. That in my mind, my friends, that's why he can't have a smile on his face. Because he can't let go of the past. And the past is done. And most of the time, our machinations about what are going to ha- is going to happen in the future, uh, except for planning, I mean, you have to do some planning, but most of our mindsets are, are fear-driven. And God is not in our fears, my friend. And God's response was to this man, I am only with you. You are not alone when you are in the present. So as Bob leads us in a centering exercise, I'd like us all to aim for smiling today. And I would like, Bob, for each one of us before Bob starts, to reach out our dominant hand and take the hand of God. Invite God into this moment. Invite love into this moment. Invite Allah into this moment. Because when you fuel up the moment and you're not facing it alone, but all one, then a smile just crosses your face because your body feels vibrant and alive. So with that said, uh, Bob, do you think we can try some music, Uh, maybe something soft? Let's do the the centering exercise. When I finish it up, put on that great, happy uh, okay, you got it. Yes, good idea. And, and once that goes off, then we'll continue on. Sounds like perfect plan. Okay, thank you. Okay. Well, folks, we hope that we'll, we're going to do a little centering exercise from Janelle Moon's book, How to Pray Without Being Religious. And after that, we're going to play some vibrant, good meditation music. And what I'd like you to do is after you feel centered and you feel start hearing that music, just take some breaths, and as you pull that, en- that energy, that air in through your behind or through your feet and pull that up through you, just feel the energy coming up through you, the light, the white, vibrant light that just makes you smile and almost feels like it's tickling you as it comes up your spine and just makes you feel like laughing. So if you'll do that, you're going you're gonna to smile for sure. Uh, So let's get started centering ourselves before we start feeling that energy come up through us. Remember that there is a seed in you that is your center. It is your spiritual center and is the place where your love sprouts and grows. It lies in the heart, in the deepest place of your being where love is never-ending. It is the place where love can find protection. Love can find its roots. Love can find its wings to grow. This is your center. This is the place in you that holds heart with harmony. This is the place in which you matter. From your heart, you are centered. 
You are in a green, growing place of love. Love starts with you and shines its face on you. Love loves you. Love spreads to your neighbors, to the world. You are centered. You are love. You are centered in the wonder of love. Again, as the music starts, remember, pull through, pull the air, the energy up through your... joy and the excitement of being one with love as you're pulling your breath in up 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 fearless creative healing loving forgiving manifesting manifesting yourself as a loving smiling being opening your crown chakra and feeling your breath go out into the ether of the universe and connecting there with all that is. Feel your divinely inspired breath now. Re-enter your body. Blow it out. And feel your body alive. Vibrant. Happy. united with love. Feel yourself moving to the beat. And now, let us do a wave together, a wave of love, human God, human Allah, human Yahweh, human Buddha, human whatever philosophical position takes you forward in your body. And now, that's what God wants us to be, my friends. Happy. Feel the beat in yourself. talking over the music. Could you hear me? Did I break up? No, you didn't break up at all. Yeah, which is... (laughs) Isn't that so funny? (laughs) Ah. (laughs) I'm not sure what that's about. (laughs) Yeah. 
not either. <laughs> I'm not either. So what are you planning this week to keep a smile on your face? How does the smile lighten your heart for you? Oh, you know, I think that, you know, it's important, you know, to wake up every day and say thank you. And as you're showering, just, uh, you know, rather than think about what you're going to do for your day, of course it's important to plan your day. I'm not saying you should just wing everything and, you know, fly by the seat of your pants or, or you know, fly under the radar all the time because that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, there's a time for for you to, Make your plan for your day. Make your plan for your week, and then to step back and, and and live in the moment, and and be thankful for everything that you've got. For and you know, throw out as you're in the shower. Say, you know, I'm going to have a great day. It's going to be a wonderful day. I'm going to smile, and just the power of your words or or that you throw out there are going to make that happen for you. And you know, I. I know Micah, I can hear him in the shower in the morning saying, I'm going to have a prosperous day, and he'll repeat it ten times. And no matter how, how bad his day is, <laughs> you know, you come, he comes home from work, and I'll say, oh, how was your day? It was good. And I'll say, really? I thought you had this. It was good. And mm-hmm. as long as you have that attitude, you know, and you keep, keep positive and throw out the right words, and remember that, you know, that your words are powerful, and they do come back to to remind you that you had set you had set yourself up to do what what's happened. You know, if you if you say, Oh man, I'm not looking forward to work today, it's gonna be so awful. It, this meeting is gonna be so boring and a waste of my time. Well, it probably will be if you have that attitude. If you if you say, Hey, I have this meeting that, you know, while I think that it might be a waste of my time if I can go in and make a contribution to it or listen to others' contributions and, and make good uh, comments, we can make this something that's positive. And it's amazing how, how much, and we've had shows on this many times about how powerful your words are, but it's part of, it's all part of putting that smile on your face of making sure you're using positive words and and reinforcing those by, you know, repeating them even, you know, in the car on your way back, on your way to the office or on your way to your walk to your home office is to use those positive words and say, I'm going to have a great day. And then, you know, if things do happen during the day, don't don't keep harping on the past and, you know, move forward and live in the moment and not waste all of the, the precious energy that we do have. No, that that is is just so true. It it, it is remarkably uh, true what you what you say. Uh, I I just um, I think that so many times uh, we forget the power of I am. Uh, I have a lovely little quote uh, that talks about Yahweh, the Great I Am, and to me the exercise is. Letting go of the ego associated with saying God's name, which is I am, and looking at the obligation of of accepting I am, I am, I am, 
And this is a great poem, Yahweh the Great I Am. I've been feeling badly about myself far too much recently, so I set myself a project saying, I'm a world-class systems analyst, the person best able with the skill to identify the issues and craft a resolution is me. Often I had to step outside the situation, outside of myself, and ask what advice I'd give to that person who is me. With much meditation and analysis, I boiled it down to a fundamental matter of volatile self-worth. I feel bad about myself or good about myself, reacting to people and events out of proportion to reality. The resolution is a new habit to take old judgments one step further beyond what I have, what I know, who I know, how I look, what I do, or my potential. I am. And then it hit me. Moses asked what is variously translated, what is your name? Who are you? What are you about? And God answered, I am. Maybe he was trying to tell us something. This is by a gentleman named Bill Caddy. God asked Moses, tell them the great I am sent you. I'd like us all just for a second, you know, and I've done these second things for us recently. And today the minutes are going. We, we have some time. And so I'd like us all for one minute to just breathe in and out, thinking I am. I am. Say it out loud. I am. And what Micah is saying about, you know, I will be prosperous today. I am prosperous today. I am alive today. I am love. I am happy. I am kind. I am thoughtful. So many religions discourage people from recognizing God or love's name because it takes away their power. We no longer have to have an intermediary between us and God. So let's spend a minute just thinking about all of the wonderful permutations of I am. Now, how can you finish that minute and not have a smile on your face? <laughs> you, know? you know, recognizing that there's nothing you need to do to be a part of God, because you already are, is so liberating. It's like you've got an inside secret 
an inside secret, and yet you don't know the number of times I invite people to say aloud, what's God's name? And for everyone, that's something different, and that's why on our show we call God, Allah, Allah, Yahweh, love, instead of giving God a name, because God has a different name for every as there, God has as many names as there are people. Yes, and this is true. This this is so true. And yet at its core, if we we resist the name God gave us, God didn't say call me God. God didn't say call me Allah. God didn't say call me Yahweh. What did God say to call him or her? I am. He told Moses to tell the Jews that he was, Moses was sent by the great I Am. It's like in, in the Tao, it says the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The Tao is both named and nameless. And it goes on, that's the first verse. It's really yes. up to one interpretation in that moment. Yes. Yes, and and you know I sense around us uh, a an opening of of people's minds and a realization of their accountability, not only for the world that they live in based on their thoughts, which explains why Micah says the day was good, even though it may not have been perfect, it was good but also based on the realization that each one of us plays a role in how other people's days are formed by our choices about how we're going to act. And, and you know, I, I, think, I think about that all of the time. And, and I, I want, I don't need to be full of ego. I don't need to be driven by ego to... Um, say, look at me, although sometimes it's the nature of my profession. Whoa, yeah. there, you, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't use that for so now it's ringing. <laughs> I think you've got some somebody calling. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> not to worry. It's okay. <laughs> not to worry. That's funny. I. That's okay. I was going to. I actually had a wonderful series that I had written on my uh, Zanga site uh, of uh, fill-ins. For I am, I am, I am, you know. And I had thought about going to get it, but then I realized if I did, we would hear this program in the background. Because <laughs> you know? I have the Zanga site set up to, to play the program. So I would have played the one I did yesterday. I overslept on Friday, so I did it yesterday. So um, I didn't go and look. So I understand it, it's all kind of an interesting hodgepodge. But on some level, doesn't it speak about our lack of peace and our involvement in the chaos of life. We have so many so many places that we can go. It's constant. Our attention is seldom just focused. 
Yeah, held them in. <laughs> you know, I, I after I came and added the information to the to the site for the program title and topic today, I as I've said many times on the show that usually I'll I'll just be drawn to a book and a number will come in my head, then I should open up to that page number. Mm-hmm. And it was in um, uh, in Wayne Dyer's uh, in the Book of the Tao, the 19th mm-hmm. verse of the Tao that says, Give, you know, and it, it meant a lot to me today. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to share it this morning. And it was, Thank it you. says, give, give up sainthood, renounce wisdom, and it will be a hundred times better for everyone. Throw away morality and justice, and people will do the right thing. Throw away industry and profit, and there will be no thieves. All of these are outward forms alone. They are not sufficient in themselves. It is more important to see the simplicity, to realize one's true nature, to cast off selfishness and temper desire. So it just kind of reaffirmed for me that really our true nature is a smile. Our true nature is to be happy. And many times being happy is seeing other people being happy. And you can't help but become happy seeing others, even those that you don't know, even someone just walking down the street with a smile on their face, you know, that, and, and it's contagious. And, you know, it really struck me in light of, you know, the economic conditions out there that, you know, it says, you know, throw away industry and profit and there will be no thieves. And we look out, you know, we see today where that's so right on that, in, you know, a lot of what's happened, we've seen it, you know, that the, the, the raping of companies for the profits and, you know, what has it done? It's created thieves out of, you know, folks that are yeah. running companies these days that, you know, that the, the shareholders' money, it's, it's not their money to be taking millions and millions of dollars that they don't deserve. And they've done, well, you know, as much work as people who are, are scraping by. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, how do you value an idea? And somehow as we've moved past, there, there was a time in, in labor when you valued the amount of work that you did in a day. But there were always those who didn't have to work. They were industrious enough to have the scarce resource money. They had money, and therefore they could hire others to work. But amongst the typical citizen, it was we valued actual labor, and we're kind of caught in a crossroads now because ideas are worth something. I guess we never really thought about putting a cap on what they're worth. And to me, you know... You, if you have a cap, you ask yourself, how much money does a person need to be able to make at a job? And to survive well, even if they are the idea person, even if their ideas are catechismic and bring about huge, huge change in the world, how much money does someone really need? And uh, 
if they're able to take that money and turn it into more and turn it into more and turn it into more, good for them. That's laissez-faire. But that's not how much money they're paid. And that's where we've gotten caught in this. And I can still remember when Lee Iacocca took over Chrysler. That was really the first public pronouncement of someone getting paid some huge number, like $52 million, to save an auto company. And that's it became okay now to just outstrip all reality. And that has driven up prices and has made things the way they are, in part because we have a group of people who were collecting so much money there was not enough to distribute down. And in our country, we're seeing erosion of the middle class as a consequence. And um, it, it just is an amazing process. And how I got in this economic discussion, I don't know, except to say that I, in Neil Donald Walsh's Conversation with God, Book 3, uh, there is a, a rather prolonged discussion of this concept that when people think solely about taking care of their own and they don't recognize their connection to all and the impact of their conduct on all that they negatively affect the whole by their greed and and setting aside greed involves taking a look at a lot of concepts at ego, at, at realizing you're valued even if you aren't paid billions or millions of dollars. And God, in that book, Conversation with God, suggested that we needed caps and floors. God uh, announced in that book, and I think it's probably true, that there were, uh, and there are medicines out there to prolong life, just as I was suggesting earlier, our bodies are made to last hundreds of years, but we, we don't treat them well. And the medicines are there, and we don't use them well because they're kept from us to prolong life. Because it's not doesn't fit in the scheme of how we believe things need to be. And there are there is enough food to feed the whole world, but it's not distributed. And it's all of those human judgments that have created much of the chaos that we're living in. And I think that in large part comes from the need of people. I go back to the Celestine prophecy when people asked, you know, why, if there's a God, why are we in this place? And religion stepped in to fill the void and answer that question. And we don't need anyone to answer the question. It's inside us. Yeah. Are you talking, Bob? Bob, are you talking? I can't hear you. Make your phone work. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. No, I was disagreeing with you that, yeah, it's something that you have inside. It's It's not a question that anyone else can answer for you. It's one that it's yours to answer for yourself. That's right. And and you don't need anyone between you and God. You don't um 
you don't need to contribute a portion of your money to a church, you, but you, it would be wonderful if you would uh, reach out and help your fellow man personally with a portion of your money. If we all did that, it would have phenomenal results. It really would. And yet we tend to look to institutions to take care of our fellow man rather than to ourselves. And, and reality, um, we end up tithing to the government rather than to... <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly we right. And then... care of each other, yeah. or, you know, we wouldn't need... There was a need to have a bigger government wouldn't exist. We would have, you know, again, going back to other cultures where people... Uh, keep their elders in at home with them. You know, they bring them back to their house after you know they, they're older, and take care of them rather than and you know letting them, you know, try to make it on their own and and you know maybe need social programs or what have you because their own children don't take them in. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. We need to. We need to focus on. Uh, we need to recognize that everything we have exists because of the way we're reacting to each other. And we need, in my mind, to open our eyes to the idea that each one of us can answer that question of what is God's name with exactly the same two words, I am. And if we can answer the question that way, that means we are all equal. None of us are superior. None of us deserve more. And then we need to begin to believe in the value of ourselves. I'm going to put on, I hope we'll be able to hear you, Bob. I'm going to put on our final. We've got, we're down to the last two minutes here. And... um, I've lost almost all my two-minute music. I don't play the music enough, I guess. I'm going to play um, Daniel Kolbayaka's Gazing at the Interlunar Sea as we go out and we say our closings. Bob, do you want to wrap wrap up? Sure, I'll wrap up. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us today, and I hope everyone will leave the show or... Or, you know, shut down the computer or the telephone and have a big smile on their face. And then it will be a contagious smile, one that everyone that you encounter will notice and will smile back. I I know that, you know, sometimes I'm out at the grocery store somewhere and I'll sometimes, you know, and I'll have a smile on my face and, you know, picking out the food for dinner and getting all excited about what I'm going to eat. And I'll notice that people are kind of looking at me and sometimes they think, I have something on and now it's usually just that I have a smile on my face. So, other than my own insecurity, thinking that you know I have a booger or something, it's really just a smile. We're <laughs> <laughs> looking at, and so you know you can tell when it's really being, you know, a contagion, I guess. So go out, smile, take others to tell this week, and remember. So again, thank you for being on, being with us today. Thank you for 
sharing with us, allowing us to share with you, and go out, be compassionate, and smile this week. Namaste. Namaste, my friends. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We look forward to your being here next Sunday. Uh, Rob is not going to be available. I've asked Brian to fill in. If he's not here, I will be here. I hope that you can check out the meditation on Friday. But between now and then, just open your heart to love and put a smile on your face. Namaste and take care.